I'm Andy. And I'm Lev. And you're listening to Snakes in the Garden. The autonomy of the unconscious, therefore, begins where emotions are generated. Emotions are instinctive, involuntary reactions which upset the rational order of consciousness by their elemental outbursts. Affects are not made or willfully produced. They simply happen. In a state of affect, a trait of character sometimes appears, which is strange even to the person concerned, or hidden contents may erupt involuntarily. The more violent an affect, the closer it becomes to the pathological, to a condition in which the ego consciousness is thrust aside by autonomous contents that were unconscious before. So long as the unconscious is in a dormant condition, it seems as if there were absolutely nothing in this hidden region. Hence, we are continually surprised when something unknown suddenly appears from nowhere. Afterwards, of course, the psychologist comes along and shows that these things had to happen as they did for this or that reason. Cass, when I read that quote, I couldn't think of a more appropriate way to start an introduction of you and your generosity in pointing to the mountain that you have been on for me and others to go to to change, because we came to you with a desire for change. We knew that things had to change, but you stood there at the trailhead having been on that mountain and said, you got to go this way and I'll come with you uh, for certain stretches of it because some of it is rough or the footing is uh, dangerous and, and you might need some help so you don't fall and get hurt. And there are some crevasses up there that you're going to have to avoid. And I know where those are. Oh, and by the way, I'm, I'm happy to, to do this with you and let's go. So welcome to snakes in the garden. Cass, it's a it's a delight to have you here, and I I feel uh, like I'm bursting with content and energy to talk about who you are. But Lev and I want you to talk about who you are and, and why we're together today, and uh, we're very uh, appreciative of uh, you taking the time to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andy. Um. It was a genuine surprise to me when you reached out and said, hello, I'm one of your husband's mentor students in the firearms industry, and I was wondering if you were available to be a coach. I didn't really expect it from that community, and I'm quickly realizing that those are my people, and yeah. there's a lot of really lovely, lovely talent within the um precision long-range industry, which is not something I ever saw myself being a part of either. It's a, it's a thinker's discipline. And when I came into contact with Kaylin, uh, and for our listeners, uh, Kaylin Wojcik is Cass's husband, who owns a precision long-range marksmanship school, of which I'm a student, uh, because I enjoy the self-exploration that comes through that platform, the math and the body and the self-awareness to send a small projectile over a great distance and hit something very small. There's a, an emotional reward that comes with that that's consistent with other similar experiences 
in the disciplines of sport or technicality like we have in the fire service, you know, rope rescue, setting up rigging and sending a Stokes basket over a vast distance. Those kinds of things have always been very captivating to me. And when and when I found Kalen and began to benefit from his great experience and knowledge, what captivated me about Kalen is that he's atypical of the personalities of that world. Mm-hmm. He's extremely uh, vulnerable and present and had a facility with personality and psyche content that made the virtual environment of modern-day riflemen uh, very attractive to me. The the look of it, the meaningfulness of the content, the way the content was curated and stewarded. And, and then there were sessions on the weekly uh, at the weekly subscription level level that regarded things that had nothing to do with the technicality of firearms they had to do with mental topics and then you would come on periodically as a guest on the headspace hub series so when i went to kaylin and said how did you figure this out what was so funny is like uh, dude go talk to my wife that was <laughs> that was how that went you know, and and then I found you, and then it was like, you, you think of the the like the kung fu movie where you go to the mountain and the the master's out there doing something funny with a hammer and some wood, and they're building something, and you know they're engaged in their own process, and you know the student kind of shows up a little apprehensive, you know, hey, I understand you're the master of this kung fu style, and <laughs> you know you'll stop and look, and then maybe give me some tasks to do, and. Uh, and then gentle me into a far greater understanding. And I think that would be the quick, broad stroke of of what it's been like to work uh, with you and your organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lev, as you hear this, what are the thoughts that are coming up for you? Well, I love the, the metaphor of the Kung Fu movie, um, because I always think about how it seems like the student at first has no idea what the master is thinking. And is generally put off by that demeanor, like in this trope. And it seems like the master has a plan all along and kind of can see further in time than most people can see. And so sets the student upon doing all this arcane shit. And the student's like, well, I get, I really want to, you know, do this. So I guess I'll, you know, go forth and do all these tasks. And, and this shows up in like therapeutic sessions too, but the value in, the master not being the person who gives you the answers or the solutions to your problems, but offers you the tools to find them yourself, offers you the tools to become less frustrated with the the way that that journey proceeds. Because the journey is, if you know where you're trying to go, but you haven't conceptualized it yet, you have no idea what the process looks like. You have no idea what the journey looks like. And so that person being like a psychopomp, if you will, like a guide, a like here, let's walk together and I'll show you what to do next, and you can figure it out. It's very empowering. Like, that's the feeling that I get of just how empowering that process is. It's, a- it's very annoying when I want her to do it for me because, <laughs> what you know, you know, Cass, I need help with this, and then all of a sudden there's an availability issue, and I say, I know what she's doing. She's leaning me into doing it for myself because she wants me to fucking learn how to do it myself. Perhaps. I don't, yeah, oh no, you, you do it more than you admit. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so that's why we- my therapist's been canceling on me, huh? <laughs> it all tracks. <laughs> so yeah. what when I think of our history cast and I think of the quote that I I just mentioned about the the gift that it is to bring the unconscious conscious. I think at, at the end of the day, that's the drive train. That's the drive shaft of what you do and the rest of the vehicle that hmm. is built around that core truth that the more we make the unconscious conscious and get opportunities to decide what we're going to do with that. I think as you would say, and as Jung would say, the the more that 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 unconscious, which becomes conscious, can be integrated, the more life changes, and uh, and and for the better, uh, at least in in my opinion. What are your thoughts? I feel as though bringing the unconscious conscious is the point of why we're here. Um, I believe that the human species is here to evolve. Um, this is how consciousness expresses itself through us we're able to articulate and create art and create symbols and pull from the unconscious so that we can share it with others. It's a bit disheartening for me that it took so long for me to stumble onto this information. And now that I have it, it can also torment me because I want to like shake the planet and go, wake up, like we all got to do this. There's a neuroscience um, statistic that says we're only 5%, maybe 10%, but the the average um, statistic will say 5% conscious. So that means throughout our lives, we're only operating at 5% aware of our awareness, which means 95% of the time, we're just operating with our body mechanisms, doing what they do, Yeah. but we're not witnessing what we're doing. And so if you get on LinkedIn or you get on Facebook and you see people acting out and reacting and having so much to say, a lot of times they don't even understand that there's complexes at work. There's um, patterns that have been imprinted in them since childhood. And we're acting out of reaction versus reflection. Oh, why do I feel so powerful about this? What about me? makes me want to be heard so damn bad that I'm willing to crucify someone else publicly in order for my words to be seen. And then how effective is it? Did it really make a difference? How many people actually read my, my passion and go, oh, well, there it is. That was what I was looking for. You know, what's amazing, Cass, is as implied by the quote and, and elsewhere in Jung and other, you know, Freud, other content, the unconscious is going to become conscious whether we like it or not. And on the times where it becomes conscious in what might appear to be an impromptu way is almost where, the un- as, as written, the, the unconscious will temporarily rep- replace the ego and express itself. And sometimes that can be in a non-constructive way, outbursts of impulse or anger or expressing myself in a manner that winds up interacting with a human being in a, in a destructive way. And I think what's going on in our culture today and what all of our information streams are getting populated with, unconscious is showing up all over the place mm-hmm. in a non-integrated way, and it's making a damn mess of things. And 
here you are as uh, someone who's enlisted in this uh, force for good to say, you know, this is not about repressing what's coming out here. This is about a need to understand it so we can uh, engage in some kind of uh, meaningfulness in life as an organized group of people. But I, and, and, and I have to point out that I tried the old way. I tried to repress it, suppress it, ignore right. it, um, pretend that, you know, perfect my persona and move on. I was going to bypass it. I was going to um, never let them see me sweat. Isn't that how we got programmed, right? Right, right. Um, I was going to put on a performance. I was going to go into the hustle culture. I was going to, you know, dress up my, my meat suit and make it look the part. I did all those things. So it wasn't as though, I mean, I was fully operating unconsciously. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. Like distracto world. That, but, that's but how we, I experience we, all of that. We all are, in my opinion, we all are until we get exposed to this information, until somebody or yeah. some major life change gives you no choice but to yeah. face it. And so that would get into what Jung would call the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Um, it's also part of the hero's journey. We're all on a journey and we're going from the ordinary world um, it makes me think of a Madonna song. You know, I'm just a material girl living in a material world. And in the 80s, that's what I grew up to. So all I, again, I fit the narrative that society was programming me with. I watched the commercials. I grew up watching TV. Um, I thought that was normal. What I'm finding now is that was programming for mm -hmm. us to fit certain narratives and to believe that's what matters. But could you imagine if all those TV stations had Jungian philosophy on there, we were breaking down the unconscious and the shadow and the psyche. I mean, what would happen to our planet, our society, if we all started collectively going from 5% awareness to 15 I just right. start with 15? We'd, we'd be like the science fiction, you know, advanced alien civilization of super high technology, super peaceful people with, you know, large cerebrums and blue Perhaps, skin. but we have to also remember that there are people who are aware of this information. So this is not new. Right. Um, you know, the, the hero's journey, if you, if you, if you break down like Joseph Campbell's, um, a map of the hero's journey, this is what Star Wars was made about. This is yeah. what all, the Matrix was made about. So basically, it's not only a, a person going through transformation throughout their life to become the better version of themselves, but it's the, it's the conscious or unconscious transformation of going from, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm living with the masses of people that don't know what they don't know. And we've collectively agreed that this is okay. We've collectively have an agreement that it's okay to be dumbed down. When you put it that way, it kind of sounds <laughs> like, but, but what happens is as you start to wake up and, um, or as you start to cross a bridge of not knowing into, there's a whole nother layer here. It's a process and it's not always pretty. So I think part of the reason people avoid it is one, it's not always pretty because the fantasy world we've been living in, when you find out that it has deeper layers, it can be super scary. Harsh. Very harsh. 
And then also you'll find out, you know, I look at the, the corporations and, you know, the top 1% and the people controlling the money. They're very aware of this. They're very aware oh, yeah. of how dumbed down society is. And in yeah. fact, if we keep people there, then, then we don't have to answer their questions. But what's happening is collectively we're starting to wake up and we're starting to see the world in a different way. Veils are getting lifted. And you're going to see, in my opinion, a lot of uncomfortable humans that don't know what to do with this new information that they're learning about the world and that they ultimately are about to learn about themselves. Mm -hmm. That's heavy. So that's what I want to do for a living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the viewer can't see is when, when Cass said that, it was the peace sign that went up in, in this very genuine way. Lev, I see your facial expressions as we're having this conversation with a lot of head nods. What's coming to mind for you? Uh, right now, just that that type of thinking is so revolutionary. Living in an unconscious state is, for better or for worse, mostly for worse, very functional. As, as you noted, Cass, mm -hmm. like that type of thinking or unthinking rather feeds the system that currently exists, helps keep the people in power, in power, not only because we don't understand how systems work often, but because we don't understand how we work. We are you know, living in a space where everything has been commodified, even the imagination. So even having a vision of what your best, most fulfilled, most realized, most conscious self could be is so difficult, is so inaccessible. Um, and we have very few models for what that looks like. Um, you know, like as a child growing up, your parents and the other adults around you are meant to be your models of how to feel, how to talk, how to be a person. And some royally screw it up. Some, oh my God, really <laughs> fuck it up. Don't get me started. But there's also, there's so much more than that too. Like who in the world has been a model for this type of thinking and behavior? And I guess that's what I'm curious about from both of you is this knowledge, this capacity that you've always had. How did you come to realize that you had it? How did you come into shadow work? Hmm. Which is probably yeah. a, a vast origin story. Yeah. So I'll get back to the dark night of the soul. Um, so if we were to just start with the three top components that everyone should start to explore within yourself, and that is um, the persona, the ego, and the shadow. And these are all uh, Carl Jung terms. By no means am I an expert. However, I do believe in experiential therapy. I believe that, that when you walk the walk, you know, you get to talk to the talk. Um, and I had invested a lot of money in resources, trying to find ways to heal me from my childhood, trying to find resources to heal my manic depressive mother. You know, I did, I did what all the experts told me to do. Yeah, you go to talk therapy or go to AA or, you know, go to go, go to these places and then you'll be free. And they they didn't work. Um, the I believe the misinformation um, or the lack of consciousness by the experts contributed to my mother's suicide when I was 30 and she was only 50. On my way up to 30, I was just running and gunning. 
I was I was building a persona. So a persona is your personality. It's your mask. It's it's your theater. It's who you believe the world needs you to be. It's how do I create a character in the play that doesn't get rejected? I've been thinking about all the personas that I attempted to wear. In fact, I might have an artist draw a bunch of these bodysuits hanging in a closet one day to help with the visualization. I tried them all. Um, I was on my own at 15 years of age. I was a, a product of peace, love, and joy, uh, born, born in 75. Parents um, never had an, any, any intention of staying together long term. I went to 15 schools by the time I graduated. So every year I tried on a new persona. I remember I uh, one time went and traded in all my Wham and Madonna and Duran Duran tapes and got Alice Cooper and Metallica and you know I went for heavy metal because that school that's what was cool. And so I learned how to switch my identity. Usually as a way to protect myself because if you get kicked out you're you're isolated and alone. If you don't have really good structure back home, you're not getting the nurturing you need there. And then ultimately, just not to be bullied. Um, when you're the new person, you're also a target. So I think in the beginning, it was just me trying to fit in in a world that I felt like I was completely abandoned and rejected by. And then I started to get my stride when I started to learn how to make money. One of the complexes that I would later, just in the last year, learn about is my beautiful father complex. Um, I, the complex is beautiful. <laughs> the father is a little questionable. Um, but he was incredibly challenging to me. Um, he was the first narcissist in my life. Um, he, it was a game. My love was a game. Everything was a game. And so my goal as a, as a young girl was... I have to impress this guy. I got to figure out a way to crack the code and get him to like me because this is ridiculous. <laughs> like he's handsome, he's tall, he's like, he was all the things, but for some reason I just couldn't get him to love me back. I would later find out that I would take that complex um, and project it on all the men I worked with, those oh, poor men. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> and so I was in competition, and I also have a very strong masculine energy about me. And so I, got, I gravitated towards male-dominated industries. Sure enough, I'm the only female. And so now I'm kind of special, or I'm, I've got this idea that, that I'm more unique. And then I realized that men didn't really want more competition. They're already in competition with each other. And then here comes this energetic woman who wants to go eye to eye. And I found that I would be the target of sabotage. People would try to stop my commission sales. They would try to um, put me out of business later on. The goal was to stop that energy from performing. I couldn't understand what was happening. I was like, I don't understand. I'm doing all the rules that you guys tell me to do. I'm the leader of all the sales boards. I bring in just as much, if not more money than, than all my male peers. So why won't you let me shine? What the F is the problem here? And then I would internalize it. 
I got to a point in my career where I couldn't do it anymore. I could not work for assholes. I could not have a man look at, look at me and say anything demeaning to me. I just couldn't tolerate it anymore. I wasn't able to crack the code and fit in and make people accept me the way I was. So the only thing I could do next is just go work for myself. Like I'm, I'm not manageable. I'm a brat. And so that doesn't fit in. So I ended up building a business. And I loved it. I started, I started, and this is why I'm so good at branding and marketing. In order to survive as a child, and many of us do this, we have to adapt to our environments. And for me, because nobody really wanted me, I became a professional people pleaser. So how can I please you? And how can I take care of you? And how do I not become a burden so you don't get rid of me? Well, again, this is a really good complex in the beginning when you're building an identity because I became really good at sales. Yeah, you have a good sense I... of what identities people want from you. Yeah, and I could be whatever you want to be because I had been watching human behavior to keep myself safe and then taking that data to charm you, to people please you so that I could essentially manipulate you and get what I needed in order to survive in this world. Yeah. And so that's one long version of how a persona or many personas can be developed. And it doesn't mean that it's accurate. It doesn't mean that's who I am. Cass, I have to imagine that that arc is shared among so many people. In other words, you have your unique story with its unique circumstances mm -hmm. and chronology, but the, the, the overarching trajectory of that story uh, to me, does not sound particularly unique. I think it's shared with so many people, so many personalities that have had to engage in arguably a, a, a way to survive mm -hmm. in the world and then later have to unlearn in order to thrive in the world, you know? Almost like it's a it's a, a, a rite of passage to some extent that some people don't get to go through. And I would argue, right. too, that you don't necessarily unlearn that to thrive in the world. You unlearn it to thrive in yourself. When you show up as the person- you I think are. we meant the same thing. Yeah, you just said it probably. Yeah. Sorry yeah. for that. Well, and then I would take it one step further and say, we don't unlearn, we actually integrate. So don't hate- Fair enough. It, don't hate integrate because if we try to push it away and say, I'm not her anymore or yeah. she's done and I'm moving on, she ain't done. She yeah, done. It's, She's it's never in the done. definitions for sure. I, I agree. Integrate is the best word to describe yeah. that. And, and so the reason why it sounds familiar is because we all have a psyche. We all have yeah. mechanisms creating our perceived reality, creating our lens of understanding, creating what we see the world to be. And we know that... None of us look at the world the same. Um, the best way I can describe it is we are all kaleidoscopes. You can twist it different each day and you're going to get a completely different um, view and depth. And then we, as kaleidoscopes, try to go out and like mate and find another kaleidoscope to be with. And, you know, and we think if like one person gets one or two fractals the same as ours, we're like, oh my gosh, it's love. They get me. Or <laughs> they're responding to a shadow aspect that you've never had realized before and it feels safe. Or you're projecting who you think they should be and that feels good to, to me. 
but we get it we get it wrong most of the time and that's because we're unconscious of how the the mechanisms work and so we move from like the persona okay so we we create these personas and it's super important to fit in when we're kids and then build our persona as we're in our 20s trying to kind of prove our worth or maybe this is when things start you you start to feel more pressure and you're like wait a minute this isn't turning out the way that I thought it was like I put a lot of work into perfecting this bullshit and all of a sudden it's not working anymore my methods of survival are getting called out they're just not working and what's behind all of this is our ego mechanism. And the ego is, is different than the persona. The persona is what we tell everybody we are. The ego is, it's the master chess player inside your mind. It's the eye maker. It's what allows the human to say, I am not that, nope. I am me. And if we didn't have an eye maker, then we wouldn't know, oh, I better get out of here before that tiger eats me. We need something in our human experience to help us understand that I'm separate than everything else. We have to have some type of separation. The problem is, is we're not taught this at a young age. Um, we see it when kids are like two and three, and they, we call it terrible twos. That's how we start children out. Oh, my son's going through the terrible twos. You know what he's doing? He's going, no, mine, I, me, right. not you. And, and they're yeah. fighting for, for, indivi for individual understanding. And instead of rejecting that, going, no, not yours, share, you're, you're denying that they have this wild, natural call to be an individual. And then what happens is the ego goes unrecognized. We don't understand that it's calling us to be an I. And if anybody challenges, the ego and the persona are like best friends. And if anything challenges your persona, the ego is going to get triggered. The ego is going to react and push back and then start to suppress and repress the things that society says that they don't like about us. Mm. or that we feel doesn't fit in. And at that point, the ego is going to take the things that don't work for the persona, and it's going to lock it away in what we call the shadow, into the darkness. And we're going to mm. try to forget about it. Yeah. And we're going to move on. Yeah, it doesn't work. It and spills out. Cass, you're, you're, the phrase that comes to mind might not be the best, but your, your claim to fame as far as I'm concerned and certainly with me, because you're a celebrity with me. I've perfected my persona with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is your strength in making the daunting mountain of the shadow conceptually accessible? You know, for the last couple of episodes now, right, Lev? Shadow comes up a lot. And in the last episode we just did, I actually shared with our our listeners, some of the substance of the instruments that you've created and walked me through to process events. The, If you recall, I, I had come to you with the shame ambush by the executive team and we gave it a mm -hmm. title and you have mm -hmm. questions um, that, that I love lead it. one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> shame, shame excites me. I'm like, ooh, yeah. bring me yeah. your shit. Let's do this. <laughs> um, the, the liberation of bringing those things out of the shadow and into the light in such a practical way 
for me is a strength and a a value that you could offer so many human beings in a variety of places in their day-to-day existence. That shadow work is not something that has to be viewed as including the terror that one probably unconsciously feels when even faced with that, that you can, you you have a gift of, of depriving the experience of shadow work of its horrifying nature. It's one of the reasons it stays in there. It keeps people away from it, you know? <laughs> you seem to do a good job of saying, no, 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 see, you can step here. I'm halfway into it. See, it's okay. I'm still alive. I'm, I'm still here. Watch, I'm going to disappear for a minute and come back out. Watch. And then you'll disappear into the shadow and then pop out with like a funny face. Like, it's not so bad. What? Come on yeah. in. And then you'll lead. You certainly led me and you've led others into this place where we were able to get past our initial apprehension and say, okay, so, you know, what the hell are we looking at here? And that's when the lesson would begin. Okay. Like I've, you've done your comedy to get me in there. So now Mm -hmm. I'm there. And now all of a sudden it's like your facial expression changes and okay, we got to look at some stuff here. You can see that you're not dead. So now let's take a look at some of these things that I think would be helpful if we grabbed it and dragged it out of here. And that was my. I can see you. You're ready to go. Mm. Well, um, yeah. That that that's that's the that's the that's a improvised way of analogizing what it felt like for me. And I think your way of making that process accessible and efficient. Um, I wish everybody in the world would do it. Yeah. So I just want to clarify that um, this is not my information. I didn't create it. I, think I know I'm, that. I, I, I think, think that's what, clear. What I'm doing is I'm gamifying it. And I actually like saying this is, you know, Carl Jung's information and I was able to gain access to it through a coaching program uh, when I was looking for a new identity. And I haven't told you about my dark night that led me to the shadow work yet. But I believe that once I found this information, there was such a sense of liberation and mental clarity and mm. emotional regulation. All of a sudden, I was like, oh my gosh, this is inside of me. And it's been inside of me the whole time. Mm. And I had been going to therapy since I think my mom started taking me to therapy when I was 13. And I remember the first talk therapist pulled me aside and said, by the way, it's not you, it's her. And at a very young age, I lost respect in that moment for that authority because I didn't think that was right to tell me I'm okay and she's the problem. Clearly, she's the problem. She's manic depressive. And, you yeah. know, I mean, but therapy raised... is supposed to be about your work, right? Like, even if right. that was true and you had literally no problems and it was all her, you can't go to therapy to change other people. You go to therapy to figure out how to deal with other people, to figure out how to manage those emotions and those feelings and those complexes. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if other people are the problem or not. You're the one who you're going to get stuck with for your whole life. And then as I would go into my 20s and like pay for my own therapy, I had figured out how to tell my story in such like um, a highlight reel. And I nailed it. I'm a salesperson because I had learned how to read the room at a young age to not be the target of abuse. And so when I go, I have the opportunity to perform. Here's somebody, here's an adult giving me 
their undivided attention. And so I would perform with my story about how I went to 15 schools and how I was able to overcome all these things. And every time they would say to me, you sure are impressive for everything you went through. And that would conclude our session. And I would pay $125. And I was like, <laughs> that was I- cheap. Did, did I just get like a compliment on my pain? Like, I'm not understanding how this is helping me. And so I was always trying to crack the code and just not, not really believing the system was working. I also watched my mother, um, you know, when Prozac first came out, I remember she came to me and she's like, honey, they've come out with a new drug and I'm going to be okay. And even intuitively as a young girl sitting there thinking, I don't think so, mom. I don't think the pill's going to do it because you cry about your mom all the time. Like in my mind, I was like, when are we going to address the sadness you feel about the way your mother treated you? And for the record, uh, you know, two days before she took her life, she was still sobbing about the mother that never loved her. And so I self-educated. I wrote, I read every book I could. I, I, when I stumbled upon yoga, I didn't just go to yoga classes. I went to teacher training because I was like, why is everybody in this class so damn happy? Yeah, it feels good to move my body, but I don't feel liberated. And so maybe I need to go to teacher training and figure out what they know. It was an eye-opening experience to be um, exposed to higher consciousness, to ancient teachings. Um, I grew up in car dealerships. You know, we didn't, we didn't have very spiritual conversations, okay? <laughs> and so there was this complete separation from me and any type of awareness, consciousness, spirituality, even understanding that there, anything else mattered. And so when I went into my first teacher training, that really opened my eyes up. But then I became disheartened because I looked around the room and there's 28 other people in there. And everybody's now becoming teachers. Mm. And we haven't even integrated any of the information yet. But everyone's like, oh, I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to be a teacher. And I'm like, I wouldn't want to learn from you. I watched you in class for six months, right? And so um, I kept seeking and I kept seeking. There's, you know, this is, this is on the hero's journey. It's called the call. You get the call. And, and, and are you going to be brave enough to answer the call? There was something scratching at me saying, you're not done yet. I ended up building a business for my own. And of course, what do I do? Out of my people-pleasing techniques that I've so masterfully um, you know, secured, I went looking for underdogs. I went looking for anybody who came up hard like me. Those are my people. And my goal was to raise or save or lift the people who maybe needed second chances, because I felt like I was a second chance kind of girl. And that would lead me to my next lessons, um, because I wasn't integrated. And I couldn't see even my own worthiness, my own, my own abilities. And so I invited into my world, predators and, and enemies and villains who would take my love and they would vampire off it, or they would um, copycat my ideas, or they would um, bully, you know. Very in line with how you described your narcissistic father, too. Mm-hmm. Just like the drunk on power type who really, I don't want to say gets off, but like gets off on having other people pander to them. 
Mm -hmm. Um, that's how they seize power in the world. That's what gives them validation and a good feeling. And this is this, as you move through the Jungian process or the process of individuation is what it's called, you move into archetypes. And so what's the opposite of a tyrant or the opposite of a narcissist? It's the saint. I'm a saint. If I help people, then I'm a saint and now I'll be free. And here's what happens when you people please, it actually ends up in resentment. Check it out. You'll find the people that you please the most resent you because most never asked you to please them. And if you stop pleasing me, and that's how we entered the relationship, and you've created what? A boundary? A standard? I never boundaries. I didn't know what those words were until my late 30s. I was like, a boundary? I really got to study that. I'm going to get a book on that, right? Like, I had no idea. But at this point, I have already created my ecosystem that was about to take me down. The very first person I hired um, was a man who said he believed in me. And I'm like, please, if you could just believe in me, I know I can do this. I can make a lot of money. My goal was always to take all that wealth and bring everyone with me. <laughs> and um, he was just like, yeah, I will be that man to you. So I projected what I needed him to be. He didn't even, it wasn't even a casting call. He was just like, no problem. Yep, I'll be that guy. And um, after eight years, I decided to sell my company. I was just tired. I was like, this is not me. I did it again. I'm burnt out again. And so I went to sell the company. And um, during due diligence, where you're proving your finances, my number one man and the guy who believed in me, he was also my bookkeeper <laughs> and filed all my taxes and kept me in compliance. He embezzled all my profits. He took um, over $410,000, and it was actually my client's money. He had taken it slowly but surely over the entire eight years. Essentially, um, the money's gone. Hundreds of families have a couple thousand each um, stolen from them, and the person left holding the bag was me. I started going to the police. I started going to attorneys. I went back to the CPAs. I went back to all the experts. Remember? Because we were taught that the experts have the answer and that if we only buy the right expert, they'll tell me what to do. And so I just went out and told everybody my story, getting my team, my dream team to help me fix this. I still don't know my worth. I still don't know my value. I still don't know the complexes running my life. I invited in more and more predators. I started to notice in that moment that nobody was taking accountability. And actually, nobody really cared. Nobody cared the money was missing. Nobody cared that hundreds of people's lives were being compromised. Certainly, nobody cared that my retirement and, you know, my equity had been taken away. It sent me into a really, really dark place. Um, I, I couldn't rely on society anymore. I didn't want to help the underdogs anymore. Um, help wasn't coming. And this is the hole where you just feel like you're, you're, you're falling in a dark well and there's no bottom. I did, um, I sold an investment house and I took all that money to like help me find a new identity because I knew the shit had hit the fan. I was no longer what I thought I was. And time felt like it was tick, 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 tick. Like, you better figure this out because you're about to go broke. And then what? 
what are you going to do? Start back over? Go back to a car dealership after all these years? Like, who are you? So I went identity hunting. I bought mm. 50 courses or attend attended in person or online, 50 courses, 48 teachers, everything from neuroscience to how to regulate your nervous system to um, advanced teacher training, maybe advanced yoga is what I needed to... Um, you know, I started drumming. I started humming. <laughs> I had crystal bowls. I mean, Cass, I gotta get in this in. Pockets. I gotta get this in. <laughs> so her house right now, Lev, if you were to go to a place like uh, like a large antique store that had categories of items, what Cass is so proud of is that in her exploration, she's accumulated remnants of all of these explorations so over here is the gongs over here is the chakras over here is the incense over here and she will describe in this way that's absolutely debilitatingly funny how her suffering led her to this and it's like the house is a chronology of that journey <laughs> and then she shares it with the visitor and it <laughs> i mean i didn't i didn't bring anything <laughs> So when she's saying this, there's there's no she has all of that stuff. It's it's all there, and it's so delightful to hear her freely and fearlessly describe what she went through with each of these explorations, which is so disarming and makes one so willing to share need, which is how it kind of started with me and her. But I just had to get that in there, Cass, because as you're saying this, I'm thinking of all the things I physically saw in in the home and and remember your description of them. Yeah, and I call them modalities. So mm -hmm. these are all just different modalities. And I was I was just like, well, is that going to work? And is that going to work? And is that going to work? And then um, can I learn it well enough so I can teach it to others? Because in my mind, remember, I thought money is what made me valuable. I thought that if I could impress people by building something big and then sharing that wealth, then I'll be loved. And so in this moment, I'm still searching for an identity. None of it's working. I'm going rapidly broke. I remember I started a couple hashtags. I got to admit, hashtags <laughs> set me free. <laughs> um, I started following narcissist hash hashtags first, which led me to a book called Psychopath Free. And that book was the first one that helped me understand that these were personality disorders that I grew up around and that other people grew up around them as well. And it does affect who you date. And it does. And I was like, oh, okay. So that was the beginning. Like, it wasn't just me. And then I kind of went on at like a narc crusade. Like, yeah, it's the narcs. That's the problem. You know? <laughs> and I would find that that was not very popular. Um, and, and then I would go back and lick my wounds in my dark hole and I stumbled on, um, shadow work. I started seeing shadow work cause I had done all the yoga and I'd done all the other things. And I'm like, okay, what's shadow work? Uh, it was what trending. It's kind of in the same like periphery of those circles. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how Carl Jung quotes started coming up. Um, I hired a shadow work coach who was he was not integrated and should not be holding space for people. Um, and I had to let him go when I felt um, kind of violated by that relationship, uh, spiritual narcissism, if you will. Um, and so I got away from that. And I almost just like 
just chalked it up. This is it. I am a blob of nothing. <laughs> it was all for nothing. And I am probably going to live in this depressive, sunken state, potentially forever, which can't be very attractive when you're in a new relationship. And I'm forever grateful that my now husband was able to, you know, um, keep going while I needed this space to figure this out. Um, but I got through the hashtag, I can only assume I hit Instagram's algorithm and there was a Jungian life coaching program. And I thought to myself, I will never call myself a life coach. I saw that. I got that targeted ad. I have it up in my bookmarks. I'm like, ooh. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, and it was taught by a PhD. Okay. So I'm like, okay, we're getting some credibility here. And then um, I was like, I don't, again, I don't want to be a life coach. I didn't want to be a teacher. I want the information. What do you know that I don't know? Um, and so I signed up and it was like my last 7,500 and I put all my chips in one more time and I went down a six month journey into the psyche. All of it takes time. It's an unfolding it's an internal reflection. It takes, I believe, a guide or somebody to reflect back at you, which is why Andy and I are able to work together. And I also felt bamboozled, neglected, disappointed by that program and by the leaders of that program. Wonderful human beings. But again, they built a business model. And I'm, I'm a capitalist. I love making money. But not when you're withholding the opportunity for that personal integration. So they're teaching people how to be coaches, but that doesn't mean the actual person when they graduate is integrated with self. As I began to unpack my psyche and as I began to understand, oh, this is a complex. Oh, this is a pattern. Oh, I do this. I've done this before. And there's a lot of uncomfortable times, you guys, where you look at yourself and you're like, I am so embarrassed of what I thought yeah. it was. I was. Having a peer be able to witness you and hold space in that shame and it doesn't kill you. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't last. You come out the other side. This is where I started to understand alchemy. I was like, oh my gosh, this is when you transmute, you sit there with this matter and you transmute it into something else. And as I started to feel that transformation inside myself, I was like, why wasn't this taught to me sooner? Why yeah. didn't my mom know this? Why, why am I not teaching this to my 11 year old stepson? And He's getting an earful all the well, time. Well, you now. are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you are today. I I absolutely love the way you just described a couple of phenomena. When I hear about people delivering content so that others can teach it and they themselves can't do it, as you're describing that, I was saying to myself, imagine Kalen raising someone in the modern-day sniper, modern-day rifleman program to teach the content and they can't hit anything. Mm -hmm. and, and that's tantamount to what my dad used to say about so many people who went to Berkeley or Juilliard that they would uh, acquire musical information, uh, be able to translate some of it onto an instrument, and yet when it came time to play and they were with musicians and someone, you know, called off a tune, one, two, 
one, two, three, and then people start to play. The person who went to school to teach it is fumbling around up there and and can't deliver. And you cast bring you bring both to at least my experience. You bring both to the interaction where you have a, a great ability to articulate the academic and fundamental content, and you use your lived experience as a vehicle to make it so accessible. Andy, you're going to love this story. So Luke says to us last night at dinner, um, he was in class and one of his teachers brought up how we have a left side of our brain and a right side of our brain. Mm. And Luke, who's incredibly um, articulate and intuitive, he raises his hand in class and says, well, I'm not sure why you're just talking about the left and the right side of the brain. Aren't you going to talk about the rest of the psyche? You know, we have more mechanisms in it than just that. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And yeah. I was what like, a proud oh, moment. Baby. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. People were probably like, what, what did he just say? Like, well, you know, other And I had to age? teach him what it means to be aware and not be popular with that awareness because you're talking to people who can't who've never been exposed to it. And in his mind, he's like, yeah, but she's the adult. She should know this. And I'm like, oh, baby, I felt that way too. Yeah. <laughs> but could this, could this possibly be a sign that we can teach it young? Well, um, it's, and, and clearly it's happening. I mean, can you imagine what the break room conversation at the school was with the teacher? This kid starts starts embarrassing me in front of everybody with their command of the psyche. You know, I don't think there's any reason why you can't teach this to kids. Okay. I I don't I don't I have not heard an argument that I would entertain about why this can't be taught to kids. You know, oh well, they're in process of it; they're still developing. I mean, so are we all. If you see someone doing something, does that mean you can't explain to them what's happening while they're doing it? you see someone walking, do you say, well, they're walking, so they can't learn what muscles in their body control their legs right now. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I would love to see, you know, more, I'm going to say integrated, more integrated curriculum that shares this knowledge with young people who are in the throes of it, who are experiencing so much like pain and isolation because they don't understand it. Yeah, and this is why we think we're different when we're all, we're, we all have the same mechanisms. We might have we're all getting conditioned by different environments. However, those, those things are all shaping who we become and how we perceive the world. Um, one of the other things I do with kids is, um, and myself, is I give them nicknames. So when my stepson comes out and he needs to be seen and he's performing and he needs all the attention on him. And so I say, hey, I think that's your ego right now. And we, we nicknamed him Eddie. And I'll say, hey, Eddie, can you do me a favor and bring me Luke? Because I like all of you, not just Eddie. Or um, if, he, if he shoves something away or feels embarrassed about that, I go, don't you get Shadow Sam. Don't you shove that to Shadow Sam. He needs to come out and talk about how he feels. And um, Persona Pete. So like I started creating ways that his mind can understand that he has these different ways of showing up just brilliant the ultimate goal is telling him i don't reject any of those i just want all of them because i want you to be the whole diamond that you are i want all yeah. of you um and he and he's getting it he's starting to integrate and understand it we will do this work for the rest of our lives 
Um, and I do want to just say that I believe, as you mentioned, love that like shadow, shadow hashtags are trending and it's becoming trendy now. One of the advanced um, yoga teacher trainings I did had a shadow work integration with the offering. This influencer, if you will, oversold her online seats in my perception. And there was some 180 participants. Everybody paid five grand. She cleared over a million. It was such a large group to be talking about shadow work on such a high level. I watched so many women get triggered mm. and you know, emotional breakdowns in breakout rooms, and there was no support for it. Oh. Um, the mentors that were supposed to be helping the influencer were not integrated. You could tell because they'd come in and talk about themselves. I'm like, oh, so we're back at ego? Okay, cool. So we missed that lesson. <laughs> um, and it felt unsafe. It was unsafe by all the accounts. And they all got certificates. By the way, when nobody fails. Yeah, that's a, that's a red flag. And it was, it was in that yoga teacher training advance that taught me I will never teach yoga. And I believe that teaching shadow work on that level is dangerous because I really believe that the integration comes through the witnessing process. I, I am a visionary. I think my sixth sense is um, I can see things working five, seven years, usually before it happens, which is why it's really easy for me to be a business doula. Cause I'm like, oh, if you're an expert at something, like I can see where we can take this. So let's just do these things and we'll get you there. Um, but you have to do shadow work if you're gonna work with me because I'm not working on a business and helping you build a business that's the wrong identity or that's not truly who you are because I've done that and I've paid the price for that. But I do believe in 10 years, this will be mainstream. Um, shadow work will be what a buzzword, not just, not just like a trend, it will be a buzzword. Um, I'm scared about that because I think a lot of the, the NLP type of leadership that are just like uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Programming, okay. yeah. So mindset, change your mind and, you know, you can do it too. You got all these um, positive psychology. Yeah, like, yeah, like just, uh, you know, hustle mentality. And if you get up at six, you're going to be up. Be, it's like, okay, like my shadow still wakes up with me, bro. So um, I believe, so where, where it worries me is that once it becomes mainstream, and this is now something that all of us should be working on, it's going to get hijacked and kind of bastardized again, if you will. Good um, initiatives always do, Cass. Yeah. I hate to say it, but we're going to have to find our way through that. That happens with every good thing. Well, and that's why I don't mind being a pioneer. It's not usually popular, um, but I'm willing to kind of blaze ahead and help people learn this information in bite-sized, digestible ways um, for internal self-awareness. Yeah. Not so that I'm light. Not so yeah. that I can make a million dollars, but because... I understand myself so well now and my internal mechanisms, I don't get hijacked by life like I used to. Yeah, which is, a, I think, a, a desirable place that a lot of people want to get to. I'd like to, uh, let's take a five-minute break, and then when we come back, can we talk about your instruments, Cass? 
the worksheets, the the flower petal thing, the things that we've done together, mm-hmm. where you don't have to reveal that to the world. Remember, yeah. this isn't a, a video podcast, but I think that the way that you have systematized some of these ideas, I think people yeah. would benefit from that knowledge. Lev, how do you feel about that idea? I feel great about it. I always joke when I'm at work that like, if you see me, you can come get free validation. Like uh, anytime you need it, just come tell me what you need to be validated about. And I will validate you unless you're really, really, really fucking it right. up. But then yeah. you have to have the balance. Like you were talking about earlier, you started talk therapy when you were younger and you knew the script, you knew how to play the game to yeah. get what you thought you wanted and what you thought they wanted out of that situation but like I need therapists with such a high level bullshit detector. Like that's yes. my, that's what I number one screen for is like, how good is your bullshit detector? Yes. Because I know I will bullshit you and I need to know that you're going to name that immediately yes. so yes. that I interrupt my whatever process I have going on and I can actually just show back up in that situation. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I'm with you. All right. We let's... could do a whole episode on bullshit meters. Oh my God, we could. I love talking that. about bullshit because I love <laughs> to. I love bullshit. bullshit. And I love it's a big seeing snake in the other garden. people's yeah. bullshit. And they're, and everyone's full of it. It's amazing. And some people are so good at it. Like I see oh, what they're doing, so it, but good. I'm so impressed. I'm like, Ooh, bullshit mm-hmm. me more. <laughs> yes. Anyway. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome back. Cass. I think this episode has been so enriching. Always our interactions are. And I think that people might be curious about what is the uh, applied method that you have, you used the word earlier, gamify, which makes the work so accessible. Perhaps you could talk for a couple of moments about the the ways that you have done that so that people who are are ready to start down this trail with you can have an idea of what that what that looks like uh, mm-hmm. what that process is so i created a method and this is this gets back love to that you know bs meter if teachers and coaches and everybody can come out with essentially logic regurgitated logic and and there's nothing wrong with logic but i correlate logic with like a long haul like that's the long way. You can just study, 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 study for the rest of your life. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I was looking for transformation. I was looking for life altering <laughs> redirection and get out of the logic brain and get into an embodiment. And I do believe because of the way that I was not raised that I started watching the way people behave and the way they interacted in order to figure out how I could fit in. And what I found is that a lot of people will talk to you, like think about talk therapy. You can talk and talk and talk and you could go to AA and they'll say, um, keep coming back, it works and we're going to talk about it again. These are programs that, that have changed lives, but I needed to go a deeper layer. And I wanted to know that it had a beginning and an end, not keep doing this for 20 years, but like, where's the end? What's the goal? 
Yeah, you have to have metrics, you have to have measurables, you'd like yeah. to know where you're starting and you want to know wh- what it will look like and how long it will take for you to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the easiest ways, I have what's called a clarity chart. And when I start with people, I do what I call a brain dump. You have so much history and information and opinions and lenses of perception and experiences and abuses and disappointments, and all of that is spinning around inside of our logic brain. It's the monkey brain, right? And in order for us to get out of storytelling and get to a place of transformation, we have to stop oh my God, and then this one time, and this happened to me, and you're never going to believe, and it was so bad. And so storytelling has become quite popular. Um, and and we, can, we could spend our whole life talking about stuff, but not actually doing anything to fix the root. And so um, the first thing I do with clients is we do a brain dump. And um, whether you're wanting to build a new business with me or you want or or we're starting in shadow work um i call it like speed dating i'm just going to fly through your life and i want you to just share with me like and then what happened and then what happened because people will pull their high their 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 go-to stories they'll pull them out right away and as we start to lay out the storytelling you'll start to see patterns in their experiences. And then you get to reflect that back to the person because remember, it's not my experience. I'm just listening and holding space. And then I'm able to use the information that the person gave me to reflect back on what they might be missing or what they couldn't see within themselves or, um, or a pattern of behavior like, oh, did you notice that happened when you were 13 and here you are at 33 and that same pattern came up. And this is the beginning of the ahas where people are like, oh, this is a thing. And I'm like, right, these aren't just stories anymore. These are um, playing out in your life unconsciously most of the time. And until we get them to the surface and recognize it, you're just going to be playing the game like everybody else. Another one of the, um, you know, cheat sheets I've come up with is in 30 minutes or less, I can unpack a trigger with you. And triggers are our gold. Triggers are our opportunity. There's something happening in the external world. You're viewing it. You don't like it or it's, it's bringing up an emotion in you. And now you don't know what to do with that emotion. It's hijacked you. And you, you're getting heated and you don't know what to do with it. First of all, we know that most emotions only last like 90 seconds. So bringing that into awareness, can you just breathe through it? Can you just let it go before you start attaching old memories? Teaching people that their triggers are the opportunity or the doorway to find out what's unresolved within yourself. Mm-hmm. And we break it down. But in this worksheet, I'm able to show the polarities. Everything we feel and express and project has a polar opposite. And if you can start to understand the polarities of the planet and, and how necessary the universe has to have this masculine and, and, and feminine, this you start to see how we get pulled to the extreme. And then the goal is to find that neutral. 
And the where we find the neutral is in some type of reflection, acceptance, non-attachment, opportunity for exploration. Why is it hijacking me? Why am I so mad? Like, I know there's triggers in my life. They are not integrated right now. So um, I'll just share with the audience, through this work, I've been able to identify that I have my top three shadow aspects. These top three, if I see them in the world, if I see it in a movie, if I see it in somebody in business, if I see it in a, in a, in a relationship, through my own projection, I will get triggered. And, but now I'm starting to get to know my triggers. And I'm like, oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. And I'm starting to hang out with it and become friends with it. So um, greed for me is a big one. If I think you're arrogant and fake, if I feel as though you're being inauthentic, I know it's going to trip my trigger. And you heard a little bit about my father. Wonder where that arrogant part came from. Ooh, wonder where that fake part came from, right? And so these are mine. These are my shadow aspects. I'm not super proud of it. However, they also help fuel me to become a little dynamite businesswoman. So now I get to integrate both of those side of me, become a more neutral person, and start to soften my edges. I don't have to be... Um, the bully who takes down the arrogant guy. Yeah. I can or the allow- savior or the angel or like you don't have to occupy those archetypes in order to avoid being the thing that you're afraid of becoming that you see reflected in other people through the stories you told yourself. Yeah. That. Yeah. All that. Yes. And that, and that takes um, a dance. Uh, it's, a, it's a psyche dance. And, and it's not until you know who all the characters are on the dance floor that you understand how to be the maestro. Even when your shadow does come out and you're just like, it's violent and you're like, you, you react, you can look at it in the moment and go, okay, so that's that thing and I'm, I'm going to work on that or I'm going to pull one of my peers aside and say, hey, can you witness this? I really just reacted like out of character or in character and I would like to integrate this. And so there's ways that we can do that and I've gotten... I've got the trigger worksheet down to 30 minutes or less. With very systematic questions, it is. And having gone through that and kind of sharing the result of that process on on our previous episode, that was incredibly powerful for me to go through an organized... When I presented the idea, Lev, when I, I, when I listened to the episode, I remember when you said, I love a good worksheet. You know what I was describing. I do. So it was, it was, it was that kind of thing. Like, okay, so we're going to take these very vast, long-standing concepts, and we're going to distill. Yeah, pull them out um, of the aether. Five. Que- it, it makes me think of Roger Almvik in Oslo when he made the Brosette Violence check- Checklist. Roger is a a researcher at at a psychiatric hospital in Oslo who distilled from sixty five personality traits, six, and the presence or th- of three or more of them is a reliable, structured prediction of imminent violence. And it, he gave it to the world and he still drives around in the Volvo that he got 20 years ago, that kind of thing. Like he's not mm-hmm. a- Those Volvos last a while. He, he's not a person who would trigger you, Cass, right? And mm-hmm. your particular expression of taking these vast ideas and distilling- for a particular outcome 
some core questions like a trail map. You know, mm-hmm. I, I gave this analogy earlier of you're the guide. Here's the map. Stop here, stop here, stop here, stop here. Then tell me what you see. And if you follow the map and do what it says, you should get to this place where this is what's in front of you. And that's what it felt like for me. And it was incredibly powerful. So if anyone has been envisioning a long-standing, deep, uncomfortable kind of um, years long clinical or therapeutic relationship with this content, that's not what you're about. You're about living uh, a life of self-examination through this worldview. But to do the concrete work with you and your organization is really in a is it's performed in a very organized, uh, mm-hmm. efficient way, which are my triggers. Lev, how about some comments to take us out? I think about the time that I was first exposed to shadow work. I was sitting on the couch. I was complaining about something and a friend came up and brought me a book and said, you need to read this. And I took the book as this tiny, thin little book. And the cover said how to be an adult. And I was so offended by this offering in my mind. I was just like, pew, pew, pew. How dare you? I'm definitely adult. I have my life together. I can't believe you think that I need to read this. All these things. I was kind of just like, fuck you. And this book, and I have it right here because I had intended at some point to read from it. It's so thin. So this, I was saved by one of my shadow selves in that I was arrogant. You know, how could I not read this? It's so small. I'm going to read this just to prove to her that I didn't need to read it. And so I read it and this was, I didn't, I had never heard shadow work before, but it has a handbook on growing up, assertiveness skills, boundaries, intimacy, integration, all these other things. And this was me like six years ago. And since that moment, I've learned to see any moment where I feel this intense knee jerk resistance to something as an invitation to something I need to explore. If I am pushing something away so hard, I don't even want it anywhere near me. That for me now is a sign of like, ooh, I think I need a little bit of that in my life. And that opens up this realm of horrifying possibilities. You know, this doesn't mean that I invite, if I see someone who's behaving like violently or mean to others, like, and I want no part of that, that doesn't mean I need to invite that violence or abuse into my life. But it does mean I might need to explore, like, why is that so big for me? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess my closing thought would be a challenge to the listener of if you're noticing things in your life that you're deeply adverse to, that you are scared of, that make you super angry out of nowhere, follow, follow that. Don't let it fill you, but don't push it away. Just hold on to it. Write it down. Explore it. There's something there for you. Um, No matter what that thing is, there is something there for you that can bring you more into being the person you could be. And that's all I got for seat of my pants advice. (laughs) Cass, how do people find you? So I am starting a community. It's inside of the Mighty Networks, which, which is a social app that we run our Rifleman community off of, we run Jumpstart Mastery off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just getting started for, for my coming out party because I told you guys I wasn't going to force a new identity. I was going to allow myself to unfold into my true self. So you go to e3.community. Everything's free in there right now. 
Um, I'll be introducing a Witness Your Worth group program in the future. I am a business doula. I really love birthing new business ideas and allowing people to um, be independent creators of their own financial reality. In the e3.community, I want to keep these types of conversations going where we're able to say, I got triggered or how do, how do I analyze a dream? What was that symbol in my dream trying to tell me? Um, the E3 community is my attempt at, um, you know, starting a place of collaboration and connection and not have to go pay coaches and not go have to pay people to get a breakthrough mm. um, or to feel supported. If if you're ready to understand yourself better, um, I'd love to be a guide. What a delightful episode. Cassandra Wojcik, W-O-J-C-I-K, look her up. Cass, thank you so very much for joining Lev and me on Snakes in the Garden, and we hope to have you back again in the future. You've been so instrumental in Jumpstart Mastery. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here. This is Lev, and you've been listening to Snakes in the Garden podcast. If you have questions or feedback for myself or for Andy, you can email us at snakesinthegardenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.